Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John. I want to look at five promises about prayer that Christ gave in the upper room. Now, let, let's get the setting. Christ is going to be killed within 24 hours of what he's saying. He knows that. And he's telling his disciples, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to be killed. I'm leaving. You won't see me physically anymore. I'm leaving. Their hearts are sad. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I won't leave you as orphans. And then he starts telling them, uh, just because I'm physically going to be taken away doesn't mean I'm not going to make provision for you while you're here representing me. And in this upper room discourse, five times he gives us this repeated prayer promise over and over. Next week we'll begin his prayer in John 17. But this, I just wanted to pick up these five verses and uh, I thought of the phrase, just in case you need anything, let me tell you what to do, what, what to do. And so let's begin at verse 12 of John 14. We looked at this before, but we're just going to try to connect these five verses together and see these precious and profound promises God has made to us in his word. Look at verse 12, chapter 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever is continually believing in me. Faith isn't just once for all. It's continuous faith. My just ones shall live by faith. They, they continually live by faith. Uh, whoever is believing in me will also do the works that I do. Hmm. How's that? Let's see. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now watch this. How can you do greater works than Jesus? Has anyone ever raised the dead here? I do good to keep you awake Sunday morning. <laughs> I think that's as close as I get. Uh, so you can't be greater in quality. That It's probably I'm going to represent and multiply my representation on the earth. I'm going to go farther. Jesus spent all of his ministry within 40 miles in Palestine. Jerusalem, he got up to the north, to Samaria a little bit. But he, his whole ministry was within 40 miles. Now I'm going to give the Spirit, and I'm going to make you represent me throughout the whole earth. I'm going to do greater things. But watch this. Lest you get carried away. Think, Ooh, I am going to do. No, no, he's going to qualify. You're going to be able to do this because I'm going up here. And I'm going to form a partnership with you. You're going to represent me down here, and I'll be up there, and we'll form a partnership, okay? And the greater works that get done down here on the earth will be because I'm pouring my resources and my connections into you. So it's a partnership. It's not me apart from Christ, but in union with him, he's doing greater works, then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may glory, be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, 
I will do it. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever asked anything in his name and he didn't do it? You ever had a prayer request he didn't answer? I have. Um, here's the issue, and I think what is tough is um, what does it mean to ask in the name? Notice he didn't give us a name. There's 100 titles of Christ in the Bible. Is it the name Emmanuel? Is it the name Jesus? There's, there's thousands of Yeshua's, Joshua's. It's, the Greek would be Joshua. And then, come on, Latinos, Jesus. If I ask in the name of Jesus, I get it. So I use a, a magical formula. Just add Jesus to your request and you get it. No, it's not that. Um, what does it mean uh, to ask in his name? Is it a rabbit's foot? that we just tag it on the end? And, uh, matter of fact, he didn't even give the name here. He didn't say, if you ask me in the name of Jesus. He didn't say that. There's other places he did. Be baptized in the name of Jesus, Acts 2.38. Other places, the name was asked. He, he says five times up here, in my name. If you ask it, in my name, in my name. Well, what name are you talking about? No title given. Well, um, what are you talking about? He said when he came, I manifested my father's name. Notice that. I manifested my father's name. The Father's title, we already know we call him Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Salom, Jehovah Rapha. We know these Jehovahistic names. Is that, you came and revealed the list of names? No, 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 no. No, something deeper than that. What does it mean? Uh, they, they did not deny my name, he said of the church of uh, Philadelphia. You didn't deny my name. You didn't deny the name of Jesus? Didn't say that. You did not deny my name. Uh, now, here's a various views on it. Uh, some say, well, we come in the name or based upon the cross work of Christ. He's our basis. We can't get anything from God without the merit of Christ, which is true. So some lean on that. Some add merit plus mediation. He's the mediator between God and man. So I come to you in the name of my mediator. Uh, the only merit I have to get anything from God in prayer is based on Christ, which is true. Is that what he meant? It may be, may be included. Uh, some say it's as a result of our union with Christ. You've got to be in union with him. You've got to be in union with Christ. Okay, you've got to be a believer. Here's what I think most likely it is. It's like when he said, uh, baptize in the name of the Father. That's a function, not his name. In the name of the Son, uh, a designation, not his name. He is a son, but that's not his name. And the Holy Spirit. Name primarily represents the person, what he is, and so it represents my character, 
my authorization. You can ask for anything in my character, anything I would authorize. Whatever you need to carry out representing me on the earth, you can come in my authority, come in my person, as it were, in my divine nature and, and character. I come in the person of Christ. I don't ask for anything for myself. I'm asking for the resources to represent him, to do his will on the earth. So I'm coming in the person of Christ. And I'm asking you in keeping with your character, in keeping with your nature, so I'm in harmony with you. And uh, we'll see later some other conditions. Now, there's three ways, primary ways, you can get another person's name and get resources. You can be in a partnership, a business partnership, in which uh, the two owners, let's say, name is on the checkbook. And we could ask in the name of this company and us to have access to it. And so we're legal partners, and we got access to the funds. We got a legal contract. That, that's not uncommon at all. The second way is what we'd call a life connection. Uh, a son, a daughter, you picked up the name of your father. So now you can get things in their name, hopefully. Uh, they may co-sign for you to get your first car. They may co-sign. They may say, here's the credit card. You've got their name in a life relationship. And then there's the love way to get a name. You marry a woman, she takes your name. And it's scary. She can now get things on your name. Put her on a budget quick. Uh, but she gets your name. So legally, so Christ is saying, you my disciple, you're in a partnership with me, ask for anything in keeping with what I am, what I've taught you, my character. Ask, ask, I'm there. And no, you're not going to get anything from here or through the Father that I'm going to veto here. It has to be in harmony. Maybe it tells why many people don't pray. They're not yet got in harmony with who they're praying to. You have to want his will, not yours. You know, the country song says, I thank God for unanswered prayer once I went to the senior class reunion. When I saw who I could have married, I thank God for unanswered prayer. You, there's a lot of things you better be glad God didn't give you. Just think she could have been your wife. He could have been your husband. And all the time in young love, oh, give him to me, Jesus. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And then you go there, you say, where was my eyes? Where was my discernment? So, well, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, he, he's saying here the name. You can use a name and greater things will be done. Greater representation of Christ. Greater number of activities for Christ. Did you know Christ is represented all over this earth more than ever any time he was on this earth. He's known among the nations. Well, look at chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Abiding is, I'm in union with Christ, and I am abiding. It's a continual state. I'm not only in union, but I'm in communion. And I'm walking in reliance, in dependence, that I'm connected to a vine. My life source is Jesus. And as I am abiding and relying on that relationship, knowing that without Jesus I can't do anything, uh, he says what? He says, uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Uh, while I am abiding, let me see here. And his words are abiding in me. Now, now look at that. Look, I am relying on Christ. I'm, I'm depending on the person I put faith in. And what he has said, what his words are, they are abiding, dwelling in me. Now I come to talk to him. I, I, now, I'm not in sin. You can't pray this stuff in sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me when I pray. In other words, if, I, if I'm already scheming to do a little sinning, don't be praying. God bless the sin I'm getting ready to do. That won't work. Now, I've got to be in harmony with him, and his word is the objective measurement. Are you asking things that God wants? Well, the sure way you can know is measure it with the word. Am I biblically praying? Uh, I, I, we do so much different praying. We pray on Wednesdays for people's requests and, uh, and group prayer meetings. I, I grew up in more individual and whatever. But it's amazing on a list. What you, uh, pray for grandma that her knee will get well. Well, that's good. That, that's legit. Pray for our dog. The eyes are going. I, I, I struggle to get the burden, of course. Uh, pray for this. Uh, we need to replace our hot water heater. Uh, we need a new car. Uh, we need a new job. None of it's biblical praying. None of it am I convinced this is what God wants to do. Now, we all pray for it. Lord, I got corns. Heal my feet. That's okay. Got bad breath, help me to find the right mouthwash. You know, that's just life. That's stuff. But what, what's the stuff you can pray for that you know God wants to do? Do you ever just get down on your knees and you pray the Bible? You get a section that talks to you, and then you get down and say, Lord, I want that right there. Matter of fact, I want John 15, 7 to be mine in this year. I want to get things in the name. I want to pray according to the name. I want to be heard. I don't want to just say I prayed. I want to say I got an answer. Did you know God answers? If God gave you everything you're asking him for this week, what would he do? Besides let the 49ers win. Huh? Would you have anything beyond that? I see Nicosia. He's praying maybe they might send my... No, I didn't even go there. Uh, but...
he said, if my word's in you and you're abiding in me, that's, that sounds like an unconditional promise to me. So if we don't get it, maybe it's not biblical, maybe it's not what Christ would be, and of course, I would throw in here, we pray according to his will, 1 John 5, 14, and I make that will synonymous with his word. I'm asking for things in keeping with God. Now verse 16, chapter 15. Look at verse 16, the third promise. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And I, I call this the results of praying in the name. What results? And he says right here, I've taught you this vine branch analogy. I've given you these prayer promises, and this is the goal. I want you to bear fruit and this fruit to remain. Now, here's the question. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? Now, let, let's think it through. You're in that room. I am the vine. You are the branches. I want you to bear fruit. Well, what does the branch, what kind of fruit does a grapevine produce? What kind of product does a blackberry vine produce? What kind of fruit does a Jesus vine produce? What? Fruit the manifested life of Christ. Christ's life on display. Is that fair? I'm the branch. Here's the vine. Here's the life source. I want you to be conduits through which I bear my fruit, and my fruit isn't peaches and apples. It's me, Christ, the vine. I want to be put on display once I go back to heaven I want you to be the visible expression of what I'm like. The visible expression. And what, that's why in this upper room, what does he repeat over and over and over? You would think they were deaf. He says over and over, love, love. And it's not sloppy love. He's going to the cross. He has stooped to wash a man's dirty feet. He says, I'm in this room to show you the full extent of my love. Now, the first and greatest product that Christ wants to produce in us, and it's in company with prayer, is him on display, the life of Christ. Now, the fruit of the Spirit tells us what that life looks like. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. It, it's a, a snapshot of what Jesus would act like if he was a member of this church. Like, take the word gentle. The word gentle, it's an interesting, one of the uh, translations of it, it comes from a word for a smooth wine. Uh, gentle wine. It, no, no tart taste. It was smooth. It was uh, no biting taste to it. 
uh, it was used of uh, getting a horse well, smooth ointment, treatment. Uh, it, it meant to put others at ease, gentle. I know some folks, there's no problems until they show up. As soon as they show up, there's tension. As soon as they show up, there's criticism. As soon as they show up, the environment changes because Mr. Cranky, know-it-all critic has shown up. But I'm a Christian, I'll have you know. You look more like a hellion than a Christian. You look like a barroom brawler. Why don't you go down to the bar? Don't bring that to church. We don't need it. Go down where the bad boys hang out. Once they smack you a couple of times, you'll even out. Because they're looking for your kind. But you come to church with that attitude. I want to ask you, do people see Jesus when they meet you? I want you to bear fruit. I'm not talking about evangelism here. I'm not talking about service. But remember, his love stooped to serve in chapter 13. His love washed feet. His love just loved to the end. His love wasn't just some sloppy, just gooey. gooey, This is no gooey Jesus. This is God dealing with fallen, fallible, dirty men. And he says, when I leave, I'm sending my spirit and I'm giving you access in prayer and my greatest desire is you will put me on display. That's the fruit. Does anyone ever accuse you of loving? He said the world ought to be able to say, see how they love one another. And you know what helps you bear that fruit? Is a prayer life. At the same time, he says, I want you to bear this fruit. He just throws right in there. And by the way, uh, you, can, you can ask for whatever you want. And uh, then he just tacks on there. By the way, keep loving one another. So you want me to put you on display, Christ. You've given me prayer. I'm in union with you. And, and, and your big concern is, You want to be kept on display, and you're going to do it through us? Yeah. And I'm giving you prayer to help do that. Well, why is that? Because some days you don't feel loving. You'll have to ask God to help you to love that day. Uh, Someday you don't feel like putting Christ on display. You want to be on display. We want to know how you feel, act, and think. The Christ life has to be fought for, prayed for. Uh, If you don't have something that's missing, you ask for it. Let's keep on. John 16. He says in verse 23, In that day you will ask nothing of me. That is after Pentecost. Truly, truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Um, Hmm. You've never asked for anything from my, in my name if, uh, 
You've never been able to ask the first. Abraham never had Christ. I ask you in the person of Christ. This is brand new privilege. This started after Christ came and ascended. This is brand new prayer privilege. You can now approach God on the basis, I'm in partnership with this person. I'm coming in the name. Not in the title, in the person of Jesus I'm coming. I get access not through blood of bulls and goats, but through the person of Christ. He's the password in heaven to get what you need. And he says, hey, in that day, you won't ask any, but now just ask the Father my name, and he will give it to you. Verse 24, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, have you ever met a joyless Christian? Why? One of the reasons all prayerless Christians are joyless. Matter of fact, they're in doubt as being Christian if they don't pray for a long time. To be Christian is to pray. Uh, we all struggle with keeping prayer. You know the reason people don't have, they can't never say they pray? They never plan to. Oh, I know they'll quote, I pray without ceasing. Well, the way you drive, you need to. <laughs> but what does it mean to have a prayer life? Prayer life, you plan it. You pick a place, you pick a time, you pick a procedure. Uh, what scriptures are you going to pray? Who are you going to pray for? You know, it's just planning. We all want to have a prayer life. But, you, but he says here, something, a benefit that comes in this praying, you'll be loving, and then he says you'll have joy. Um, I think it was Robert Murray Mershane, great Scottish pastor, died in his 20s. He said this, the first business of my day is to make myself happy in God. Have you ever awakened and you felt cranky and you never got out of bed? I mean, you, you already felt kind of negative. Machine says, the first duty of my life is every day is to get with God until he makes me happy and I have joy. I have to watch it. And Machine also said this. I have determined to see no other face until I've seen the face of God each morning. He would not engage in human conversation until he spent his time with the Lord. How do you start your day? Get in there. We got to hurry. Get those, make those sandwiches. Get in that car. Get to the office. If it went for Starbucks, you'd be starving to death. And you're in this rush. I, I just read a thing John Piper wrote on pastors. He said, the greatest enemy to ministry is ministry. Talking to pastors. Ministry is its own worst enemy. It is not destroyed by the big bad wolf of the world. It destroys itself. And they did a survey of pastors and their prayer life. 
And is it one of the most common obstacles to your spiritual growth? These are the top three. Number one, busyness. 83% of pastors said, busyness is killing me from having a prayer life. Busy what? Running the bar? Busy what? Cutting lawns? Busy doing church work. Busy being interrupted. Busy being with people. Meetings. This, this, demands. It's never over. Never. Nobody tells me to pray. You assume I pray. And some act like you don't care if I pray or not. You will care within a week because I will turn into a weird creature. (laughs) And you don't realize it. You're turning into a weird creature. Because uh, what was it, that one line, if I don't pray for a day, uh, I know it. If I don't pray for two days, uh, my wife will know it. If I don't pray for five days, the whole world knows it. This battle. See, sometimes I do this. In the morning, I I love to drink coffee with my wife. She gets up earlier, usually, than me. She's an early riser. And... uh, if she's in the front room, fireplace, especially in the colder months, drinking coffee, I feel the burden to go in there and encourage her. I really want to get next to the fireplace <laughs> and drink coffee, and we talk, and, and uh, that's wonderful. I mean, it, that's what I do usually every Monday morning. We we'll have coffee together and talk. But here, here's the thing that, that's tricky. Sometimes we'll talk together, and we start trying to figure out how Val, she'll tell about the children, how Sunday went, children's ministry. I'll tell them how the adult wing went and how that went. And then we start talking about our kids. And, some, and you know what? I either am happy or depressed within an hour. Because we're talking about life, stuff. We haven't prayed. Haven't, now, she's better than me. She's usually reading her Bible when I interrupt her because she's reading through the Bible and she prays. But you know, I think, a lot of times, because I go downstairs, I can just get in there and make my coffee. Go downstairs, honey, I'll be downstairs. But it's so nice. She is my wife. And we do pray together. Just go in there and I'll just stay 20 minutes. But sometimes I never get past that to praying. So I've seen her face, but I haven't seen God's face. I've told her what's wrong, but I haven't told God what's wrong. And you know what's really terrible about a pastor's wife? She can't fix me. And she can't fix the board, and she can't fix you. She just has to hear it all. What a terrible assignment to be a pastor's wife garbage truck. To hear stuff she can never even have a vote to change. So why do I load her up with that? Why not tell God? Why not pray for my wife? Why don't spare all this? She's not the ex-Messiah around here. But my problem is I need to get down or find a place to pray, be in the Word, do that, then have my coffee with her. changes the whole day. Because I've already talked to the Lord. I've already heard from His Word. Now I'm worth talking to. I'm not full of problems. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Thank you for not amening. It made us feel better. Uh, Well, where are we? One last thing. 
He goes on to say, verse 26, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Christ is telling the disciples, in the future, you will be able to get things in my name because you're to, going to a Father who loves you just like I love you. And I think the disciples need to know that. I love you. I love you. And the Father wants you to come. It's a loving Father we go to in prayer. And he's just waiting to hear his children cry. Uh, I wanted to publish a uh, prayer up there for you. I put it in my journal that I prayed this way. Father, I want to want everything you want to give. I want to want everything you want to give. So I've been asking God, teach me to pray all over. Am I asking for the things you want to give? Or am I trying to talk you into stuff you don't plan to give anyway? I don't want to waste my breath. I want to get in alignment with God. What does God want to do in me, in you, in getting the gospel out? Are we asking what he wants to do? Because he's not a God that likes to say no. He wants to grant it. Then I pray this. Please take away any desire to want anything you don't want. I don't want what God doesn't want. If you don't want me to eat of the tree, I don't want to eat of it. If you don't want me to do this, don't want this relationship, you don't want this, you don't want this. Lord, let me pray for what you want positively and negatively. I want to want what you want. I ask remove from me my heart for wanting anything you don't want for me. What a relief when you pray that way. He will not lead us into temptation. He'll give us his divine help. You know what? It is so marvelous. I'm going. I'm leaving you here, but I'm leaving you this promise. If you need anything, you can call heaven and just say, you're coming in my name. In 1965, uh, my wife and I, uh, in her 1960 Corvair. Anybody ever heard of a Corvair? I didn't say Corvette. I said Corvair. A uh, little car that I found out had a hole in the uh, uh, floorboard. I didn't know it until I got swamped in Bethany, Oklahoma. Uh, I got in a cross section, and the car, if you know anything about a Corvair, it's low, and all of a sudden water starts pouring into the car, found out we had a hole in the floorboard, and when cattle trucks were going through that little Corvair, we were nearly floating on the highway, and the winds were blowing, and the rain, so I called a preacher in Tulsa, I said, you got to give me, I'm on my honeymoon, you got to give me a place to stay, I can't make it through this storm, he said, come on over, son, I was glad to go over, but when we left on Fifth Avenue in Concord that day, the only time Carol had never seen her father cry. We were getting ready. Here was our itinerary. Both 20 years old. We both had saved $500, and we had a 1960 Corvair. Honey, we were ready to burn up America. 
We're going to go to L.A. The stick shift, by the way, is in the floor. We're going to go to L.A. I'm going to start a revival in Van Buren, Arkansas within a week. I'm going to go from Van Buren, Arkansas to Houston. And from Houston, I'm going back to Moralton, Arkansas. From Moralton, Arkansas, I'm going to Miami, Florida. From Miami, Florida, I'm going to Kingston, Jamaica, and Port Maria. And from there, I'm flying to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, while Duvalier was in power. And then I'm getting back off that plane and driving all the way across America to start college in my junior year with 500 bucks. Uh, when I got into Arizona, we began to have an electrical problem. We placed a generator. If things were playing off, one, I wanted to get a new battery, get a new generator, left me about $200. I'm already booked to go to Haiti. You know, I got to make that preaching engagement. A wonderful thing happened, though. A friend of mine bought me tires, and Carolyn's uh, father, first time in her adult life, he broke down, and tears are running down, and he slips her a card, says, if you need anything, you got my card. Do you think we needed anything? <laughs> Gave us a gas card. And Jesus is saying in the upper room, if you need anything, I give you my name. I give you me. Heaven will hear you because you have been given the name and you can access the resource. If you don't have love, you've not been asking in the name. If you don't have joy, you haven't been asking in the name. If you're not bearing fruit, you haven't been asking in the name. If you haven't been getting what God wants, you haven't been asking according to his word and according to his name. I give you my name if you want to do my will and make me known, I will answer anything you ask me in my name. He did not leave us to be powerless, to be broke, to be defeated. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the greatest gift in the world. You got access to everything in heaven by means of a name. I come to you in the name. I add Jesus, but it's more than Yeshua. That's not what does it. I come in the person, the relationship, the merit, the authority of the Christ who gave me these promises. And God doesn't make promises he will not keep. He will keep his word. <laughs> Our Father, we thank you. We've been given a name greater than swords, greater than our problems, greater than our griefs, greater than armies, a name. You said the name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. You said in your word, he will lead us by uh, still waters for his name's sake. I'm glad I bear your name. You have put your name on your people and I've got something better than Visa. I've got you. And whatever I need, Whenever it comes to your will, you said, ask, and I will answer you, and you will be granted all that you need. Father, we bless your name. It's hard to believe. 
We're already halfway through January. How quick time runs. May we plan to pray, plan to serve, plan to give, plan to love, plan to actually act like we're happy that we know Jesus. Oh, it'd be wonderful if we were accused of being a happy church. Oh, I pray help all the saints that think they're happy to notify their face and start showing the world I'm happy in Jesus. And all who semi-agree say amen. Amen. You're dismissed.